Well, it's only two and a half days till Valentine's Day. Gentlemen, that was your public service announcement for the day. Don't forget, there's one thing that you shouldn't forget is Valentine's Day. Did y'all know, I heard this on the radio yesterday, that $18 billion will be spent on Valentine's Day this year. $18 billion. Y'all, that's a lot of money. I mean, we'll buy everything from chocolates to flowers to these five-foot-tall giant hunk of love teddy bears. Have y'all seen those? We spend more money than we need to all in the hope that it will maintain or strengthen a relationship. For elementary kids, Valentine's Day is serious business. I remember, I remember those days when our kids would each take a table in the house and they would spread out all their Valentines on the table the night before. And they wanted to make sure that they had enough of these Valentines for each of their friends and their friends got just the right one. This was serious business. There's a lot of political stuff going on. I mean, if you give a friend this Valentine, it means something different if you give them this one. Because this says, you're my best, best friend, be my Valentine. This one says, you're my best friend ever, be my Valentine. <laughs> this is serious stuff. So parents, let's, let's be gracious with our kiddos. Yet in our scripture passage today that that Sean read, John, who is the same disciple that wrote the gospel of John, he's an old man and he's writing about a different sort of love. See, in the first century Roman Empire, when the New Testament was written, there were four different words for for that single word that we have for love. They had four different words. We have one word. The first word that they used for love was phileo. That's kind of a love between friends. You know, like brotherly love. Philadelphia, you know, the city of brotherly love. That's phileo. It's just, it's a buddy. You show kindness and affection to someone because you care about them. In John chapter 11, verse 3, Mary and Martha send word to Jesus Lord, the one that you love is sick. See, Jesus was good friends with Lazarus. And he was emotionally tied to Lazarus. So that was the word that they used, phileo. Another word that meant love was the word storge. This is a family love. It's how you love your children. It's how you love your grandma. Everybody should love their grandma. And you know what that means. It's this family love. It's, this, it's a different sort of love than you have in, in love between friends. A family love is different. It's, it's a little deeper. In Romans 12, verse 10, Paul kind of shocks the Romans when he says, be devoted to one another. Because in that word devoted, he's saying you need to feel the same way to your sisters and brothers in Christ as you do the members of your own family. That's the kind of love you ought to have between one another. It's that storge love, that family love, the love that you have for grandma. Now, unlike these other understandings of love, the, the, the third word for love in the first century Roman Empire isn't even found in the Bible. You can look and you won't find it. 
It's not there. The word is eros. Yet today, this is probably the most common expression of love in our society. It's a romantic or a sexual love. In the confines of marriage between a husband and a wife, there's nothing sinful about Eros love. It's just not mentioned in the New Testament. But in 1 John 4, John is writing about the fourth word that they had for love back then. This is a unique love that only comes from God. In fact, it's so unique that unless you're a Christian, you can't even understand what this love really means. This type of love is so unique to Christians in the first century that when John wrote these words, there was really no precise cultural understanding of it. The word in Greek is agape. Now we sometimes see this word defined as unconditional love. That's how it's commonly defined. Yet that, def- that definition doesn't even come close to understanding its meaning. See, agape is God's love. It's not based on friendship or feeling or human passion. This kind of love has to do with Loving sacrifice. It's a soul love in which we love with selfless, sacrificial abandon. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25, when, when Paul says that husbands need to love their wives, he uses the word agape. Guys, we're supposed to love them with selfless, loving obedience. It's in the book. Yeah, no commentary needed on that one. Writer C.S. Lewis wrote that agape love is the highest level of love known to humanity. It's a love that is passionately committed to the well-being of someone else. It's that selfless love. In fact, when, when 1 John 4, 8 states that God is love, it's saying that God is agape. That's who God is. John writes that this type of love should be the way that Christians love each other. That's how we should show love to each other. So with that understanding of love, agape, listen to how these verses read if we, if we understand them in reference to agape, that selfless obedience, that selflessness. Verse 8, listen to how it might read. Anyone who doesn't love with agape love does not know God. For God is agape love. Verse 9, for God shows us how much he loved us with agape by sending his only son into the world that we might have eternal life through him. Verse 10 would read, this is real agape. It's not that we've loved God with agape, but that he loved us with agape and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. 
And then verse 11, dear friends, since God loved us with agape that much, we surely ought to love each other with agape. Doesn't that bring a depth to the scripture? See, Jesus dying on the cross is showing us agape love, isn't he? That's how we should treat other people. But see, until we give our lives to Jesus, we have no idea how to love somebody else with agape love because agape love is divine love. It starts with God. Other types of love start with us as we show love to other people. Agape starts with God. See, we're good with the philos or the friendly love. We've got that down. We think we know how to love our kids with storge love. We understand that. We know how to love grandma. And we should. If you don't love your grandma, shame on you. Everybody ought to love their grandma. We falsely think that eros love is the most intimate love humans can have. But as John writes in verse 10, agape is real love. Because it's the only love that starts with God. And it's the love the Bible says we should have for other people. See, a true relationship with Jesus isn't an emotional relationship. A true relationship with Jesus isn't like a love you have with friends. Hey, Jesus, how's it going, man? It's not like a love you have for your children. A true relationship with Jesus is a love that starts with God and ends up deep within your soul. And then it bursts forth from you and affects the lives of everybody around you. That's what having a loving relationship with Jesus is all about. It's seeking the best for someone else regardless of your own personal sacrifice. That's how we're supposed to love each other. And see, John frames all of this discussion in 1 John chapter 4 and how Christians should treat each other. It's all in-house type of love. But I want us to step back a little bit because this agape love has another dimension to it. And this is going to be tough to hear. But it's in the Bible. So we have to pay attention to it. Because the Bible is the word of God. It's truth. In Matthew chapter 5 verse 44. When Jesus says to love your enemies. Y'all he is referring to agape love. Jesus isn't saying, I want you to have positive loving feelings for your enemies. Oh, let's just love each other. Oh. That's not what Jesus is saying. That's a different type of love. That might be a philos love. Jesus isn't saying we have to love our enemies that way. Jesus is saying... When he says to love your enemies, I want you to love your enemies.
by how you treat them. So let's bring this home a little bit. And this is the tough part. I haven't told Cheryl, I don't know if I can preach this tomorrow. What if our enemies are radical Islamic terrorists? How are Christians living in the kingdom of God supposed to respond to that? Well, we know Jesus says love your enemies. He's not saying we have to like them. He's not saying we have to have emotional feelings towards them. But how would we treat one of these terrorists if we met one? See, I think there's a difference in how the government should respond to a terrorist and how Christians should respond to a terrorist. The role of the government is to protect us. The role of Christians is to love with agape love. That's what the Bible says. The role of the government is to protect our borders, for example. The role of Christians is to love whoever comes across the border with agape love. Again, it's in the book. This is not easy. And if we see the Bible as the true word of God, we've got to take it all. Even when it's uncomfortable for us. See, this is why agape love comes from God. Because there's no way that we could love this way apart from God. There's no way. Because unless we have a relationship with Jesus Christ, we can't possibly understand how to love somebody this way. See, the news media don't understand this kind of love. Politicians don't have a clue. In our culture, when Eros love is the goal of life, y'all were doomed. When Christians love each other with a polite, courteous, friendly love, according to 1 John 4, we're not being the people God wants us to be. I'm not saying we're supposed to be mean to each other. But when we're seeking what's best for other people around us, when we're living sacrificially for other people, that's a deep love, isn't it? That's who we're supposed to be. See, God calls us to live and to love each other the same way that God loves us. This means that we're consistently, without even thinking about it, seeking what's best for somebody else simply because God loves them and Jesus died for them, no matter who it is. Jesus loves them and he died for them. And so we're called to love them. See, I think that's what our bitterly angry and divided country needs right now. What we need more than new legislation or better people in office, 
is for Christians to start showing agape love to those they don't agree with. Imagine what the country would look like if God's people would focus on love. And I'm not talking about some sort of hippie love. If we as God's people in the real world start showing agape love to everybody, this world, this country would look different than it does right now. What if Centenary was known as the Agape Church? Wouldn't that be great? I can't think of a better compliment than that. Those people on Perryville Road know how to love people. I'm not saying again that we have to like everybody or give them hugs. But we live selflessly for them. Because let's remember what Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians. Remember how he ended chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians? He said, three things remain, faith, hope, and agape. And the greatest of these is agape. Let's pray.